Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shani, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited today to have Dr. Rajas Harper. She's the principal psychologist of Radiance Mind Psychology, located in Brighton, Victoria. She is an educational and developmental psychologist. Now, firstly, this means that Rajas' focus is how people learn best. And secondly, she takes the perspective that mental health issues can be part of the challenges of human development and assists individuals all ages accordingly. She has over 20 years of experience in private practice, schools, research, and as a domestic and international trainer. Now, she's really passionate about helping improve the lives of people with learning and developmental difficulties, such as dyslexia, ADHD, autism, and executive functioning issues. She works extensively in the area of behavioral change and parenting, and that's what we're going to focus on today. And more importantly, she takes a very holistic approach to mental health. So welcome, Rajas. Thank you, Shami. Thanks for having me here. Now, Rajas, we want to dive into parenting. I know you run a lot of parenting. Is it groups or training sessions that you were saying? So I would love to just dive into what are the common challenges that parents are facing in today's world? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So yes, I work as a trainer. So I actually train a lot of practitioners and these practitioners come from either the educational field or the medical field or community services. So basically professionals that actually work with families and work with children. So they have a little bit of understanding of child development. And because of their close work with families and parents, we know that families reach out to these professionals, sometimes help with parenting. So we train these professionals in evidence-based parenting programs so that they can offer solid evidence-based strategies to parents. And as you know, there's a lot of information out there on the internet. And one of the struggles that I hear parents trying to get through is just seeding through all this information and trying to figure out what's right, what's um, not so helpful, what's accurate information as well, because there's a lot of opinions out there around parenting. So I do work with professionals to train them in the area, but I also work directly with families, running seminars on parenting, various topics in parenting and children's behaviors, as well as working with families directly as well, one-on-one when they come to me with concerns around children's behavior. And it's not always when behaviors are serious, but even parents wanting to understand how best to support their children, to help them develop, to help with their mental health and well-being to help with learning as well. So yeah, that's the area of parenting that I work in. That is so amazing because when you think about it, there's a ton of information on the internet. And I get this exactly the same as a GP, as a functional medicine doctor, there's a lot of information out there and it's hard to actually go, right, what's actually helpful for me? Is this relevant for me? And you're right, what's evidence-based, what actually works or not? And there's also lots of books that parents can reach out to. And often you need a professional just to guide you because of the experience that you have. And I think that's where the difference is to go to someone like you. It's the experience, how you put all the pieces of the puzzle together and guide them in the right direction. So what are parents facing these days in terms of key challenges? Yeah, I guess 
parenting in a time of a lot of social media. So they're trying to, as I said, sieve out a lot of information. It's also parenting in a time where there is a change in the way families live. So we don't necessarily live with extended family members and perhaps the community is not as involved. They say it takes a village to raise a child. So that having that community around you, it's a little bit more difficult now because people are more mobile, they're moving around. So I guess the challenge is really in terms of trying to parent in that climate and trying to see through the information. Previously, you would have gotten a lot of information perhaps from other family members who've got experience with parenting or friends or, like I said, community members. Now it's really parenting a little bit in a silo. But some of the areas um, or issues or challenges that I commonly see parents come up with is typically around anxiety in children. And particularly after the last few years, we're seeing that increase in anxiety. I think it's partly because of what may have happened in the last few years, but also we live in society that's constantly in flux. It's got so much of demands on our attention and time and children are feeling it. So there's a lot of concerns around anxiety in children. And the other area that I see children or parents having concerns with their children is in terms of their resilience levels. So we're seeing low resilience levels. So that usually is manifested in children perhaps not wanting to try something that's more challenging, maybe not persevering with something or not willing to give things a go, particularly if they don't think they might get it right the first time. So maybe not uh, wanting to pursue with doing challenging tasks, maybe when they have schoolwork or assignments that they need to do, uh, not being able to sort of follow through on the different steps. Which brings me to the third area as well, where parents are definitely expressing concerns, and that's around the use of screens, so screen time. So these are the three big challenges that I see at the moment. You've made some really important points, and I'm just sitting with that when you said about the community. And I was reflecting on it in the last couple of years. And, you know, we're, we're used to this community of moving, often relocating to different countries or moving just from your community to another city. And even that can change the dynamics of like, who's your support system? Who do you turn to? And I was really reflecting in the last couple of years, apart from what's happened, but how lonely we are unless we really make the effort of creating a community. But then Again, there's only so much you can go to support with friendships. It's the family, the aunts, the uncles, the, you know, the generations of being through the experience that you want to go and seek support. And I totally get that. And when I travel to the East and I just see how these amazing communities exist so close together, they literally just knocking on each other's doors and yeah. they know, right, I'm not going to go to mum to ask for help. I'm going to go to my uncle or my aunt who's just down the road because I'm just more comfortable seeking yeah. help and how strong that community is and how the stresses are lower as a result because they've got more people to turn to. And community is a massive thing, which I see a huge difference in the West. And I shouldn't really generalize that, but in the East, people are moving to different parts yes. of the country as well. But we've got to remember how strong and how much we need a community and also the community of elders and how important that is instead of isolating them and not seeking the benefits. But it was such important points. You mentioned great thing about screen time. <laughs> wow, we can talk about screen time. We can have a whole other yes. session just on that. Absolutely. 
and of course anxiety but so interesting about screen time what do you think it's the challenges of the addiction it is addictive it's that dopamine release what are your thoughts around how can children actually manage that it's a fantastic question there and i would say that's the million dollar question yes. <laughs> it's such a challenge because it's not like we can completely say no screen time at all because you know we do use screens for education, for learning, for information seeking, but also for social networking. So it's not like other addictive substances where you can say, let's just cut it out completely. You have to have it. You have to balance it with other things as well. One of the things that we want to see is that it's important not to introduce screens too early to a child. So delaying it as much as possible is important. We know that the brain goes through key times of development where the neurons are very rapidly multiplying and all that. And during those key times of development, the type of stimuli that we get is really important because it can help to shape the brain. So having very, very early access to screens can potentially affect that development as well. It definitely seems to affect attention spans. And I think even as adults, we can see that since we started using screens more, it does split the attention and our brains are not wired to split attention that frequently, causes a lot of fatigue. It also interferes, as you would know, with our circadian rhythm. So I guess we're seeing that impact on children as well in their sleep. And we know sleep hygiene is really important, really, really important for physical as well as mental health. So not introducing it or as much as possible, delaying the introduction of screens is really important. But also, I think helping children to develop other areas of interest so that screens don't become the way of entertaining them. And as you mentioned, that dopamine spike that keeps happening, we know that spike is very temporary and it needs to eventually come down to a normal baseline level. And when it does, we get that dopamine crash and that doesn't feel good, especially if we're not used to feeling baseline is actually normal. So having children actually engage in different activities, but also having them understand that downtime is actually okay it's good it's normal that's one of the things i'm experiencing seeing a lot and when i do talk to parents they completely agree as well that one of the things that children are really struggling with is the ability to be bored it's boredom it's not a bad thing it's a feeling and our brains are not wired to be stimulated all the time. So those are some of the things to think about. So developing a variety of interests that's not related to screens would be really key. I think delaying that screen time as much as possible, really supervising how much time is spent on screens and seeing if there's any kind of dependence on screens, even to self-regulate. We find that a lot of teenagers need to use their screens to even wind down at the end of the day to go to sleep. And that actually is counterproductive. That's also telling us that maybe some difficulties with self-regulating, as you know, we need to be able to comfort ourselves and sort of relax ourselves so that we can prepare ourselves for sleep. So yeah, that's really, a few things to really good points. Wow. Because when I'm thinking about that, it's tough. I've seen not only family members, but in parents initiating that <laughs> scheduling of screen time it is tough and we're not talking about boredom enough it makes me laugh because when i grew up we were okay with boredom we found yes. ways of whether it's drawing or imaginary games or playing outside 
all of that is sort of disappeared. Yes. You've got when you've constantly entertained. It's funny that we have to talk about boredom and being comfortable with it. We've done a full circle. (laughs) Well, boredom is what leads to creativity. If you think about children and how much of their time is very structured. Now, we know that routines are really good for children. It's good for human beings in general. And children thrive with routines. But it's also good to have unstructured time because that's the downtime that they have to let the other parts of their brain come to life, be creative, explore. It also generates problem-solving skills. It makes children practice those problem-solving skills, which we know is really important for any challenges that come up in life. But it's particularly important when we're faced with difficulties when we're faced with the type of feelings that we know of these days, like sadness and anger and all that, we need to involve those problem-solving skills as well. But it's only through having that downtime that we build those creative skills, creative stuff inside of us. We start thinking laterally around, oh, what do I do with my time? How else can I use this time or this tool that I have in front of me, this object, what can I do to fill that time or have some fun that's not um, structured or not directed by someone else or something else? Absolutely. Now, I love to dive into what you also mentioned about the resilience. And what came to my mind was the fear of failure Mm. and how are children coping with that now? It's almost They've gone through so many different styles of teaching and parenting. And it's really interesting. What are you seeing now in terms of resilience? Is it the fear of failure? I think it is. I think there seems to be an expectation that we need to get things right the first time. And also, I think perhaps an expectation that everyone needs to achieve to a very high level. And This is what I tend to say to people that it's not very helpful to be comparing yourself to someone else and their achievements because there's always going to be someone else who's going to be better at something else. Or it's more helpful to think about your own achievements and your own growth over time and thinking about persevering with challenges. When we talk about resilience, is there an ability to bounce back from challenges, to keep trying even when you fail? We know that. In order to learn, we actually need to make mistakes. That's the way we all learn best because, again, the brains are formulating neurons and it's problem solving and it's only by trial and error that we actually make our greatest gains. So if we're not making those mistakes and we're getting things right the first time, we're not actually learning new skills in the process. We might get it right, but we're not learning new skills. So that lack of tolerance for making mistakes I think could be said to be linked to what we're seeing in terms of lower levels of resilience as well. And I guess it goes back to the growth mindset and yeah. the work of Angela Duckworth. I would love for you to talk more about the growth mindset because it's a great time to insert that. Yeah, look, I think it's great to think of things in terms of that growth mindset. So we talk about, do you have flexible thinking versus rigid thinking. What we really want is to have more flexible thinking. And your brain, just like the rest of the muscles in your body, need to have practice in that flexible thinking. So just as we go out to the gym or we exercise our bodies to make it more flexible, to make it stronger, we can't neglect the brain as well. So we need to actually practice even that growth mindset, to practice developing that growth mindset, to see things as opportunities to see problems as opportunities for change or opportunities for new things to happen, opportunities for growth. 
And rather than stopping somewhere, that growth mindset, while we keep trying to do things, even as we get it wrong, it's not so much about the outcome that we're getting, whether it's right or wrong, but it's more about the effort that we're putting into the process. And by putting in the effort, we're actually growing. Because even if we not, might not get to the point that we want to immediately, we know that eventually we do get to it. And the process of making those mistakes actually makes us a lot more resilient, but it's also pushing us to problem solve. And the problem solving, while it, we may not get the outcome for this particular issue, we definitely are building up our brain muscles for future challenges as well. And that sense, growth mindset, to know that things can change to know that I might not be great at this now, but I can still become better and to keep trying and persevering. Really, really good points. Reminds me of a book I read recently, which was life-changing for me. It was called Flip Thinking. Can't remember the author on the top of my head. But what the biggest take-home message was exactly what you said. How do we create, convert challenges to opportunities? But there was something that was said, which is now like my mantra, a problem equals fact plus an expectation. And it was so interesting because I go, wow, that's so true. Because for example, you're in traffic and there's a ton of traffic. It's a problem when the expectation is that you've got to be somewhere quickly. And if you don't, you're just sitting in traffic and go, right, this is how long it takes to go to the airport. I started early and it's no longer a problem. And even just breaking it down to that. And he goes on about converting it into opportunity. So what is this teaching us? What are we learning? Is it actually really a problem or is it just our expectation around it? It was a fascinating book and there were so many sort of take-home messages, but even looking at, and I often say this, like life is a journey and you're just literally connecting the dots. So no matter what's happening, everything's adding up to the next chapter and it's okay to fail and learn because that's literally where we learn. And we learn from, unfortunately, pain. Pain makes us really, makes us so much more alert and take, make it a priority. If everything just went so well, you wouldn't make any changes. There's no growth surrounding it. So no, you're absolutely right. A lot of personal trainers, I guess, they would say the same thing about training your body and your muscles. The muscle has to break down before it can become stronger. And you actually need to feel that muscle working out. So it can be very uncomfortable, but that's when you know the muscle is getting stronger and similar to that with challenges as well. Going through those challenges that we build the resiliency. We only stick to doing things that we're comfortable with and familiar and easy, we're not actually testing that resilience. The issue though is that life always presents some challenges at some point or other, so you will be tested. And it's about whether you can rise up to that challenge and resilience helps you to do that. Absolutely. And it kind of brings me back to the whole screen time and social media, because often we don't hear about the failures and when people become successful, whether it's whatever field they are, we're just hearing the success. We're hearing the happy yeah. stories. We only often only see the happy stories and so-called perfection of life. And it's what happens behind, which is like 10 times more, all the failures and the downs and being sad and anxious. And that's sometimes gives a very distorted image of reality and it becomes our reality. So it's just a great reminder that there will always be challenges. There are always failures which lead to success and we're always learning, but we forget it just overnight success just doesn't happen like that. It's a series of events. Yeah. Yeah. And it's right through our lifespan is we're wired to actually continually learn. I mean, research has shown that the brain is actually quite plastic. It's a very valuable resource. As they say, it's valuable real estate. You use it or you lose it. 
brain is capable of learning new things and it wants to learn new things, but it's also very limited in the sense that it's a limited resource. So it's whatever we direct our attention to. So if we're directing our attention to what's happening in social media and you're directing your attention to all that perfection out there, then that's the message that your brain is getting as well, that life is meant to be like that. I guess what we don't see is the mess of life. Is yes. <laughs> so true. Such a fascinating conversation, Rajesh. It was an absolute joy having you on. And thank you so much. And before we let you go, where can people find you? Yeah, look, if they can look up Radiant Minds on the internet, so it's www.radiantminds.com.au. They'll find me there with my contact details. And yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Rajesh. Thank you, Shabby. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.